This week, we learned, we read two parashiyot. The first parasha is parashat hukat. Pasuk says, Zot hukat ha-Torah. Of course, whoever learns this parasha knows that the beginning of the parasha is talking about a special mitzvah, which we don't have today. It's the mitzvah of para aduma. I don't know if you know much about this mitzvah, but just to give you a little bit of an understanding, basically they take a red cow, has to be perfectly red, which is not normal. There's only been nine in history. A perfectly red cow, they burn it, they slaughter it, then they burn it to ashes. They take the ashes and they put them with water and they sprinkle that water on somebody who is not pure. Someone who touched a dead body is considered tameh. The only way that person can become pure is through the sprinkling of the para aduma. Mikveh will not do the job for that kind of tum'ah. This is the story of the para aduma. There are some interesting halachot in this mitzvah. One of the interesting halachot, besides, of, besides the fact that it's hard to understand why the water that's mixed with ashes of a red cow has the ability to purify somebody who's tameh. But there's some interesting laws. For example, one of the maybe more difficult laws to understand is that the person who is tameh, who gets sprinkled on, they become tahor. They become pure. But the one who's involved in helping them become pure becomes tameh. How could that be? The one involved with the water to make them tahor becomes tameh. But it's a hok. What does a hok mean? What does the word hok mean? What does it mean, hok? So not that it doesn't have a reason. Hashem doesn't do things without reason. But we, our mind, doesn't understand the reason. Why is the para aduma work the way it works? Why is it like that? The laws that are in the para aduma, how do they make sense? What does that mean? Why should it be that way? These are all questions that our mind asks when it hears the mitzvah of para aduma. But the para aduma is a hook. It's not the only mitzvah in the Torah that's a hok. A hok is a mitzvah that we don't understand. Not that there isn't a reason, but we don't know the reason. Now, this is not the only hok, as I mentioned. There are many hokim in the Torah. For example, eating milk and meat together or the, the isur of eating milk and meat together, is a hok. 
Why can't we eat milk and meat? What's the problem? Why can't we eat a cow that wasn't slaughtered from the neck? What's the difference? It's the same cow. How could it be the way that we slaughter it either makes it kosher or not kosher? It's the same meat. Hook. Some people want to say that those who eat non-kosher, they're not healthy or they're not strong. But it seems to be a little ridiculous because we see Goyim eating cheeseburgers. They eat all types of foods and they look pretty strong. A lot of muscles on them. Many live long lives. Doesn't seem to be a health issue. What is the reason behind kashrut? There are many mitzvot that we really don't know why we do them. Even Hilchot Shabbat. While generally we understand the purpose of Shabbat, that's easy to understand. To have one day a week that we have, menuha, where we rest our minds, we rest our bodies, we rest our souls. But sometimes certain things... In Hilchot Shabbat, we don't really understand why resting has to do with turning a switch to, make, to put a light on. So I can carry this table around this room the entire Shabbat and I would be Shomer Shabbat. Sweating the entire Shabbat. Probably not the best thing to do on Shabbat. But you're Shomer Shabbat. But if you just push the light on, you're mehalel Shabbat. Why? What is the logic to that? I don't know if I ever share with you a story that happened to me. It's going to sound funnier than it was when it happened. About 20 years ago, that's before you guys were born, I was given... A, a beautiful apartment in Bal Harbor, Florida for a few days, including Shabbat. So I went with my wife to this beautiful apartment. That's what they told me, at least. They said it was this beautiful apartment. Okay, so we went. We get there. There's one piece of information that they forgot to tell me that it was on the 21st floor, which is generally not a problem because an elevator, whether it goes to the 1st or 21st, is the same. But as you know, Shabbat's coming, and now I'm trying to think, what am I doing Friday night when I come back home from shul? How am I getting to the 21st floor? There's no Shabbat elevator, and I'm coming back from shul Friday night and I'm trying to think of all kinds of leniencies that I could use, all types of ways that I can get around the system. Maybe I'm going to get sick if I do it. Maybe pikuah nefesh, I might die if I go up the steps. Maybe, I, maybe if I get stuck and my wife is not going to see me, so maybe who knows what will happen to her, so I have to go up the elevator. 
uh, I had all kinds of halachic um, genius ideas of what could be a way I can get on that elevator. And I walk into the building and you see people on the elevator smiling and I'm looking at them. I'm really feeling hazi. But my over, my Yetzir Hatov won that night. And I said, I'm not taking the elevator. I'll just walk. I'm in good shape. What's the big deal? 20 flights of steps, no big deal. Now I'm looking for the stairs. Finally, I found them. They probably weren't used since the building was built. Okay? These like totally, you had to go through different rooms to get there. Now I'm on these, uh, I'm on the stairs, dark, and I'm going up like a champ. I'm running up. I said, I'm going to do this in a few minutes. By the fourth floor, I was out of breath, okay? And then I look at the door. It says, first floor. I guess they have very high ceilings. That was all one floor. And now I'm stuck, and I'm, I wish you would have seen what I look like. Okay, by the time I got to the 21st floor, I don't usually sweat. I walk sometimes here every week I walk I walk from here but I live right here 45 minutes takes me to get to deal with I usually don't sweat but that night not only was I sweating but I, I, I was out of breath I finally got to the 21st floor I opened the door not to a hallway of course because those doors don't open to hallways they open to like a laundry room and I'm trying to figure out how to get out and finally, I'm in the hallway, and I'm like this. And all of a sudden, I see this man, this Hispanic man, and he's looking at me. Somebody works in the building. And he says, sir, he says, you know, we have an elevator. <laughs> and that maybe looks really stupid, right? So, of course, I'm trying to defend myself to him right away. I don't want to be offended by him. So without thinking, now I'm telling you the story slowly, but at the time, like, I have to answer him. So I said, no, no, I know, I know. I said, I said but today is the Sabbath. It's my day of rest. <laughs> I said those words out of my mouth, and then I realized, what did I just say? The guy looked at me, like, what? And that was the end of my meeting with him. I never saw him for the rest of the trip. I think he stayed away from me the whole trip. Could you imagine? On my day of rest, I'm climbing 21 floors when I could have just gone on the elevator. Would have been so easy. But not on my day of rest. On my day of rest, I don't go in elevators. I walk up the steps. How does that make sense? That's like a hawk to us. And by the way, you should know, if any Jew ever get, got turned off from Judaism, it's usually because of the hukim. When was the last time you think a Jew got turned off from Judaism when they heard of the mitzvah of kibbud avaim? They heard you have to honor your parents. They said, oh my goodness, I can't be in this religion. It's too much. Honoring parents? Forget it. I'm out. 
Which Jew went off the derech when he heard the mitzvah, don't murder? Which Jew ever felt this is not for him when they heard the law, don't steal? The mitzvot that we understand, they don't turn us off. Actually, many times we feel right at home and sometimes we're excited about doing them. If you ask any person who's not connected to Judaism the way they should be, if they're not connected to the Torah the way they should be, and if you would really dig and understand in their brain what is the cause behind it, it's usually the hukim. It's those laws that their mind doesn't get. I don't understand. When you do a mitzvah that you don't understand, you feel empty. You feel silly. You feel robotic. You feel like a machine who doesn't think. And you say to yourself, am I not better than this? Didn't God give me a brain? Isn't my brain a very important part of me? Should someone like me, with a brain who's smart, who's intelligent, be doing things that don't make sense to them? Am I a monkey that doesn't understand things and has to do without understanding? People feel not so good about themselves when they do things once, twice, three times, four times, and they don't get it. They feel that something is wrong. It can't be this. It can't be that a human with such a mind like mine can act in such a way that doesn't fit my logic. And by the way, this question or different versions of this question bother every one of us. Whether it bothers us all the time or sometimes. It doesn't bother me all the time. 20 years ago, it didn't bother me all the time. But that night, it bothered me. That night, it bothered me. What am I doing? I did it, but like, it was hard. On my day of rest, what am I doing? There's so many things that when we hear them, we don't really understand them. Depending on a person's level, when we hear certain mitzvot, it bothers us. Even the laws of tzinyot sometimes to us feel like, why is that important? Para Aduma is one of the laws. It's not the only. It's one of them. But what's interesting about the way the Torah introduces the Para Aduma, it says, Zot Hukat HaTorah. This is the law of the Torah. That's not the right way to introduce the mitzvah Para Aduma. It should say, this is the hukat ha-para. This is the law of the para. Or this is the law of purity. Zot hukat ha-torah. 
This is the law of the Torah. The Torah has 613 laws. This is not the law of the Torah. And it's not the only hook of the Torah either. What does it mean, Zot Hukat HaTorah? I really believe in my heart that this question stops the growth of so many people. And I also believe that if a person really understands well this subject, they're a new human being. They're a different person. Sometimes you go to a class and you learn something and you add it to your life. And sometimes it's something that you will add to your life. But sometimes there are things that change your life. And I think this is one of those subjects. It's not an addition to your day. It changes everything about your day, if you would just understand it. Like many things in life, when we have questions, we think there's no answer. And all of a sudden, we hear something and then we realize, wow, it's so obvious, it's so simple. This is one of those situations. I'd like to walk you through it. Let's ask a simple question before we answer our question. The creator of the world created our brains. The creator of the world, the same one, gave us the Torah. In our brain, when it comes to many mitzvot, as we described, has no problem with them. It says, wow, yeah, they make sense. When my brain hears, kabed et avicha ve'et imecha, my brain says to me, makes sense. I like that. Of course, honor your parents. When my brain hears, don't murder, my brain says, wow, that makes sense. When my brain says, hears, love people, maybe I wouldn't have gotten to it on my own, but I hear it. So beautiful. When it says, don't speak, Lashon Hara, I hear it. Makes sense to me. Now, I know that you know what a computer is. You don't need a very deep understanding of a computer to know that the manufacturer of a computer programmed the computer. There's a brain in the computer. And somebody put in that brain different programming, different instructions, so that when you, the user, give the computer a command, the computer will react to you and give you the information that you need. But you will never be able to get from the computer something that the programmer never entered. If the programmer didn't enter something in that computer and you asked the computer to do something, the computer says, error, I don't know what you're talking about. If you would take a command from a 
Windows machine and put it in a Mac, I don't understand that command. It's not my language. Because the brain of the Mac computer is different than the brain of the Windows computer. So if there's anything in this computer that it understands, it's only because someone had pre-programmed it. Well, that's the way it works with our brain, too. If I understand something, it's because someone who built my brain, who programmed my brain, gave me the ability to understand it. Go explain to a monkey the mitzvah of kibbut avayim. He's not going to understand it. Because his brain is not capable. Even a human brain, when it's still in its young stage, talk to a little child, go to a one-year-old, and tell him about the mitzvah of ve'avta l'reacha kamocha. What are you talking? This is not what you're talking about. What are you saying? About your responsibility for others? What? He has the same brain as you and me, but it's not mature yet. The programming didn't yet settle in. So that means anything we do understand, it's only because the programmer of our brain put in the information. So when I hear the mitzvah of kibbut avayim, I say, oh, yeah, checks out, makes sense. When I hear don't steal, my mind says, oh, yeah, got it, makes sense. So it's a big question. If the creator of the world created my brain, and the creator of the world gave us the Torah, and the mitzvot. And you see clearly how he opened our mind to understand so many of the mitzvot. Why would he give us mitzvot that we don't understand? He has one of two options. Either don't give us those mitzvot, or give us the mitzvot, but program our brain that we would be able to understand it. Believe me, if Hashem put in the program of why milk and meat is a problem, me and you would look at milk and meat and say, oh, it's obvious why you can't eat that. Of course you can't eat that. Me and you today, we don't know why. But if the programmer put it in our brain, we would say, of course. Of course you have to slaughter from the neck. How else could you eat it? It's obvious. It's obvious you can't wear wool and linen together. Of course. We don't have that, of course, today because our brain wasn't given the program. Our brain was locked out. So when we see something like that, it says, error, I don't get it, I don't know why, I don't understand. But why would the creator of the world who gave the mitzvot why would he block our brain? He gave the mitzvot to us. Why would he block our brain from these mitzvot, from the hukim? Why? What would be wrong if my entire life, everything I did was with an understanding 
was with a clarity, was with a, just a logic and reason. I would be better, I would be stronger. I would feel so much more accomplished. I would be human. Is there anything more human than the human brain? When you don't use your brain, you're like a behemoth. You feel like an animal, it's below human. What would be so bad if everything I did all day, every mitzvah I did, whether it's a positive one or a negative mitzvah, what would be so bad if I understood and appreciated and loved everything that I did? The Creator could have done that. But He chose not to. Why? What was he thinking when he did that? What could be behind this logic of his? This is a quite a big question. And when you have a big question on the creator of the world, you know there's something very big behind it. It's like when you see a lot of security by a building, a lot, like, 20, 30, 40, 50 people in front of a building, you know there's someone or something very important in that building. When you have a big question on the creator of the world, there has to be something very big behind this question. So I'd like to share with you When you hear what I share with you, you will realize that it's obvious. Oh, it makes so much sense. I'll never have that question again. It's so simple. I get it. You know, just to give you a little preview, the way I just presented everything, it would seem that the challenge of a Jew is the hukim, is the mitzvot he doesn't understand. But soon we'll see that actually the challenge of a Jew is the mitzvot that they do understand. Those are actually the harder ones. And that might sound a little strange, but as we'll explain, you'll see that this is the emeth, this is the truth. One little change of focus, which will start to help us understand things, is that the purpose of our creation and the purpose of life is not to do mitzvot. It's a big hidush. Someone tells you, a little child, so why are you here? To do mitzvot? Mitzvah notes. You ever get mitzvah notes? Yeah? Nice. Because we're here to do good. Whether you call it mitzvot, you call it to do good, kindness, however you term goodness, most people in this world assume, and even good Jews, assume that we're here in this world to do good. We're here to learn Torah, and we're here to do mitzvot. And that's a mistake. 
a mistake. We're not here to do mitzvot. We're not here to learn Torah. It's not what we're here for. We're here in this world to create an emotional relationship. The word emotional means a connection of the soul. You know, you could have many connections to people. But the greatest connection is an emotional connection where you become one. You see, two bodies can never become one. It's part of the limit limitations of the physical world. Two bodies can become one body. But the soul is spiritual. And two souls can become one. That's called an emotional connection. That's why actually the word ahava, the word ahava means to love. To love in its true state, it's not like the way we use it. I love you, I love you, I love you. You're the best. The true meaning of the word love is that I connect with you like I am you. Ve'ahavta l're'acha kamocha which means you should feel the needs of your friend and try to fulfill them the way you do it for yourself. The word ahava, love, has the same gematria, numerical value, as the word ehad. Both ahava and ehad add up to the number 13. Because to have ahava is to become one with whatever you love. It is that, for that reason, you'll forgive the example I'm going to give you. It is for that reason that people who are in love with their baseball team or football team will be so happy when their team wins even though nothing happened to them. They will cry when their team loses, even though nothing happened to them. Because they're so emotionally connected that they become one. Their loss is my loss. Their gain is my gain. That's connecting with a football team. But connecting with people is one of the goals of life. Real connections, emotional connections. But it's only a ladder. The most important part of our existence is to develop an emotional connection, an emotional relationship with the creator of the world that we should become one with the creator of the world. As far as that might sound to the people here, it's not only within reach, but it's the expectation. Mitzvot, you ask? Torah? 
So those are not important? Oh, of course they're important. Because every emotional relationship needs to have the medium, the way to get there. You can't just love a person emotionally. There has to be some stage that is set to bring that love and to continuously feel that love. There's no greater example of this than marriage. Marriage has many rules, many obligations. Unfortunately, not everyone always keeps their obligations. There are the obligations of the husband and the wife. Many rules. How to speak, how to act, how to react, how to deal, how to walk into the house, how to greet, how to say farewell. So many rules in marriage, maybe hundreds. Rules. A wife has rules. A husband has rules. Some of them are similar. Some are a little different. So the purpose of marriage is to live by the rules. That's not a marriage. Could you imagine a marriage where the husband and wife write the rules on their arms and just read them all day and make sure they follow them? Could you imagine a wife who's in the kitchen and her husband comes home and she reads off, oh, now he's home. Oh, it says to go and greet him. Okay, hold on. She goes to greet him. And when he opens the door, she says, oh, when he opens the door, you say, hi, missed you. How was your day? Hi, missed you. How was your day? And it says... And they're following what it says. He's got his commandments. She's got her commandments. And they follow every rule in that book. You and I would say, what a marriage. It's a marriage made in heaven. They follow every rule. They always say the right things. They always do the right things. They never do the wrong thing. How beautiful. Oh my goodness. What a marriage. On paper, it's gorgeous. But it's not a marriage. If it doesn't have the emotional connection, it's not a marriage. The rules are meant to be the vehicle to get the emotion. The rules are just ways of getting you to connect on a high level. You can't do it without the rules. You can't expect to have an emotional relationship that's going to last and become one with your spouse if you don't play by the rules. Because emotional connections that are real and lasting, they don't just grow in the air. They need soil. They need something that needs to be planted. There's rules. The same way you can't make oranges just because you love oranges. 
Just because you dream of oranges, you're not getting oranges. There's rules. There's dirt, there's water, there's seeds. There's all kinds of things that you need to do. Those are the rules that can get you to the goal. The goal of a marriage isn't the rules of marriage, isn't the obligations of marriage. Those rules and obligations are just a foundation or a stage to get to the real connection, the ahava, the one, the emotional connection. If you don't have that in a marriage, you got nothing. You follow the rules, but you miss the boat. A person could keep the Torah and mitzvot the same way. They can follow every rule in the book, and they should. But they're not aware that they're meant to create something much bigger as a result. The mitzvot and the Torah and the rules of the Torah are all to create an emotional connection with the creator of the world. That is the goal. Like David Melech says, Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi Tamid. Says David Melech, you know what I'm proud of? I'm proud of that I live with Hashem always. I'm connected to Him always. Whether I'm learning in the Bet Midrash or I'm praying in the Bet Knesset, whether I'm fighting a war or I'm having dinner, whether I'm with my wife or by myself, whether I'm raising my ch children or helping my friends, whether I'm waking up or going to sleep, I live with the Creator of the world. That's why he says, Gam ki elech mavet. And that's why even if I find myself at the shadow of death, in a very bad place, I'm sure people here have had bad days. Says David Melech, even on the worst day of my life. He says, I'm not afraid. Lo irara. I'm never afraid. Ki ata imadi. I live with the creator of the world. To live with the creator of the world is a beautiful place to be. It's a very secure place to be. There's no anxiety when you live with the creator of the world. There's no depression. There's no sadness. There's no worry when you live with the creator of the world. There's a lot of simha. There's a lot of strength. There's a lot of menuha. Peace of mind. There's so much beautiful things that go on in our lives if we live with the creator of the world. That is the purpose of our creation, of our existence. It will never happen without the rules. But the rules are not the end goal. Now let's think together for a second, now that we know this. By the way, as a proof to this, you know, Hazal tell us that all the books of Tanakh are Kodesh. The word Kodesh means holy. Open any book in Tanakh, it's a holy book. We know that, we kiss it, we learn it, we respect it. But there's one book in Tanakh that they say is Kodesh Kadashim, holy of holies. 
not just holy, it's holy of holies. It's, forget it, a new level. Which book is that? Shira Shirim. Shira Shirim is, if you read it in Hebrew and just translate it simply into English, you would see it's a book that may surprise you, that doesn't really belong in Tanakh. Maybe it belongs in the library. It's a song of love. Love of a man and a woman who are so in love that they want to be more connected. That's Shira Shirim. It's shocking that it even made it to Tanakh altogether. And come hachamim and say, oh, you're, sh- you're shocked it's in Tanakh? Well, let me tell you a little something. You see that book that you're shocked? Not only is it holy, it's holy of holies. What? Holy of holies? Shira Shirim? How does that make sense? That it makes sense according to what we just said. Because all the books of Tanakh, their job is to give you the rules. Whether it's midot, whether it's mitzvot, aseh, lota aseh, hesed, hashkafot. That's what the Torah is. Tanakh is to give you the rules of life. Hukeh hayim. That's Kodesh. It's holy. But then there's one book that's not dealing with the rules. It's dealing with the emotion, with the relationship. It's dealing with the love. That whole book is a mashal. It's a parable of the love that we're supposed to develop for our Creator. It's written in that way because that's the only type of love it can compare it to. It's Kodesh Kodashim because yes, that is the purpose of everything. The purpose of all the books is Shira Shirim. So, let's think together for a second. Which mitzvot, which type of mitzvot are going to help us climb the ladder of Ahava, the ladder of love, Ahava Tashem. Take all the mitzvot that we do understand, that we do enjoy because we understand them. If somebody would see you giving charity, and would ask you, why did you give that person money? I bet you'd say, what do you mean? They're poor, they need help. How can I not give them money? If someone would see you honor your father or mother, and they would ask you, why do you honor your parents? You would probably answer, do you know what my parents did for me? You know what they do for me? the very least I can do is show them a little kavod. If someone would ask you, how come you don't steal? 
I see you're very honest. You never steal. You say, stealing? That's not proper. I'm not a thief. If someone would ask you, how come you don't murder? Why? Murder? I don't, don't repeat that. Murder me? How can I murder? When you fulfill the mitzvot that you do understand, that sit well in your mind and in your heart, and like I said, many that you enjoy, you do hesed, you help people, people who are not privileged like you. Someone would ask you, you'd say, because I love it. Because I love it because I love it, or I love it because it's the right thing, so I love the right thing. I love it because my conscience feels good about me not stealing and not murdering. I couldn't live with myself if I murdered people. I don't think I could live a normal life if I took someone's life. And guess what's happening in all those mitzvot? The mitzvot are supposed to bring you to Ahavat Hashem. But the mitzvot I just mentioned and many more like them, they're more self-serving actually. It's more for you. You love to do kindness. You love to help those children. You love to help those people. You wouldn't like to be a thief. You wouldn't appreciate being a murderer. So all those beautiful mitzvot that you're enjoying are really for you. So who do you think about when you do those mitzvot? Yourself. You're building yourself. Oh, I love my Shabbat. Maybe I don't get the light part, but in general, many things I do understand. Shabbat is beautiful. Family, together, resting. I don't go to work on Shabbat. I get that. So who's Shabbat for? For you. When you ate that kibbeh on Friday night, who was it for? For you. Wait, wait, one second. It sounds beautiful, but wait. Where is the creator of the world in your mitzvot? Where is he? He's not, when, he's not there when you do kindness. He's not there when you honor your parents. He's not there when you're not killing. He's not there when you're not stealing. He's not there because it's not needed. I'm doing it for me. And if you say, what's, what's wrong with that? Well, if you knew that the purpose of this world is to create an emotional connection to the creator of the world, then you missed the boat. Every mitzvah that you're doing is for you. So you, you did the mitzvot, you followed the rules, but you forgot what the purpose is. You got a great marriage on paper, but you don't have a marriage. Imagine Hashem gave us that all the mitzvot we would understand and appreciate and love. All of them. There would be no hukim. Every mitzvah would be to us enjoyable, like kindness and hesed and charity and whatever your heart connects to. You know what happened to all of us?
we would keep every mitzvah, but it would be void of the creator of the world. There'd be no relationship. You'd love everything that you do, but you would not have a marriage with the creator of the world. It would be, an, it would be a failure of a life. Because success and failure depends on the purpose. A person sometimes thinks they're succeeding, but they're really failing. Because they don't really know what the purpose is. According to what they thought the purpose was, they're, they're succeeding, but they're really failing. If a person goes to work on vacation, that's a failed vacation. If a person vacations while they're supposed to be working, that's a failed trip. But one second, when I rested, I failed. And when I worked, I failed. Make up your mind. Well, it all depends on the purpose. If your purpose of your trip is to relax, then working is failing the trip. And if the purpose of your trip is to work, then resting is failing the trip. Success and failure depends on the purpose. So you did all the mitzvot, and you lived a beautiful, beautiful life, and did all the right things. You followed all the rules. They're written on your hand. You say, I'm a success, I'm a good person. How many people have you met that will tell you, I'm such a good person? I don't steal, I don't cheat, I'm good to my friends, I'm good to my neighbors, I'm kind, I help people in need. Whether they say it with their mouth or they feel it, they feel like they're a good person. And they might be a good person on paper, but that doesn't mean they're a successful person. Because doing all the right things on paper don't necessarily get you to become married to the creator of the world. You have no connection to him. So what did Hashem do for us to help us develop a marriage with him? That we should never forget him. And our mitzvot should be that we're doing for him so that we can do for each other. He does for us. We do for him. Isn't that how a marriage develops love? A marriage doesn't develop love when people are doing their own thing. If you share a room with somebody and each one does their own thing, you don't develop love. Love comes when you do for them, they do for you. You're in need, they're in need. So many opportunities, whether it's the words or the actions, the expected, the unexpected the happy moments, the difficult moments, together. When would we do for Hashem so that we develop this love? When? When do we even think about Hashem? In His amazing wisdom, brilliant, He made hokim. He says, I'm going to give you rules but I'm not going to open your brain to understand them. So somebody sees you in the street and says, Hey, why don't you go to McDonald's? It's a good price. You ever see the prices at McDonald's? Advertised? Double cheeseburger? Fries and drink? 99 cents? That's a good deal. You walk into a kosher store, it's $10 just for walking in. Big savings. Looks good. Don't believe people when they tell you 
non-kosher food isn't good? It's great. The Gemara says when a person walks by a non-kosher store, he should say, this stuff is awesome. I wish I could eat it. But what can I do? The creator of the world told me not to. That's the right way to do it. I wish I could have it. People sometimes think they're doing great and saying, oh, oh, I can't. I hate that. I can't believe they eat that. The Gemara says the opposite. Why? Because when you say, oh, I can't believe what they're eating, again, that's for you. The Gemara says, no, no, no. I would love to eat that. Because it's good food. Cheeseburgers look awesome. Good stuff. I wish I can go to McDonald's. I wish I can go to Taco Bell. That's what you're supposed to say. It's not for me. Hazal, tell us. You walk by a Cinnabon and say, oh, I wish I could eat this stuff. It's awesome. But what should I do? I can't. You ever at the airport starving? And you're delayed for a few hours? And the goyim are just, they don't even know there's an airport. They're not there for the fly. They're eating and drinking and just, and you got like nothing to eat. You're trying to find a snack that you could put in your mouth. Or an old vegetable that your mother packed. In the attitude in that airport is, I wish I could eat that. I wish. It looks so good. That pizza looks awesome. But I can't. And someone says to you in the airport, when you took out your cucumbers that are already stale and you're putting in your mouth. And I said, listen, why don't you go to Pizza Hut? Right there. Look at that pizza. Awesome. Why don't you eat that? Don't you like pizza? Oh, I love pizza. Why don't you eat for pizza? It's very good. What are you going to tell them? Well, I don't like it. It's not good. It's not healthy. What are you going to tell them? There's no answer. You know what the answer is? The only answer you could give them is because Hashem said. Why don't you turn on lights on Shabbat? Because it's your day of rest? Why are you walking up 21 flights of stairs? Because Hashem said. Go try to explain that to somebody. Why are you eating that on Pesach? What's wrong with a little bread? What are you going to say? Hashem said. Yes, we celebrate Pesach. Does that mean we have to exterminate Hametz from our home for eight days? What are you doing? What are you, what are you people doing? You ever see the housekeepers when they see us cleaning Pesach? What's wrong with you people? And we go out there and we burn it. What would you answer? Hashem said. Someone says, why are you not wearing shatnez? What are you doing? You're checking. You go, what? Shatnez check. What are you guys doing? What are you going to answer them? Hashem told me. Doing as he told me. I don't know. What's with the paraduma? What are you guys doing? I don't know. Hashem said. Guess what all those hokim are doing? 
Guess what they're doing? They're building your marriage with the creator of the world. Because if there were no hukim in the Torah, you may follow all the rules, but you have no marriage. There's no connection. You're living by yourself, for yourself. Your life is self-serving. Hukim are there to guarantee that there will be some instrument that Hashem uses to awaken us. Not a guarantee, even if we do them, because sometimes we get into the habit of doing a mitzvah. We, even Hukim we forget. But if we live truly with Hukim, it would be because Hashem told us. And that would be a constant reminder for us of why we're doing what we're doing. And actually, guess what? The biggest challenge in the Torah is the mitzvot that we do understand. Because when you do a mitzvah that you do understand, it's possible that you could do it for yourself. I love to help people. I love to honor my parents. I love the Kibbeh and Shabbat. But wait, the mitzvot is meant to connect you to your Creator not meant for you. You can enjoy them, but it's not meant for you. So the biggest challenge in the Torah is the mitzvot that we do understand. Actually, those mitzvot we must do because Hashem said also, even though you love them, but that's not why you should do them. You should not keep Shabbat because you love Shabbat. You should not learn Torah because you love to learn. You should not give charity because you love to give charity. You're supposed to love charity, but don't do it because you love to give it. Don't honor your parents because you love to. You do it because Hashem said. Those are the challenging mitzvot. The hukim are... The ones that are easy, because those, they connect you to Hashem by default, because why else are you doing them? But the ones that you do like, and you do connect to, and you do understand, it's those mitzvot that can lead you off the path. Because why you do them, but you're missing the whole point. We have to take the hukim mentality and put it in the mitzvot that we do understand. We must keep all the mitzvot like a hawk. That is why it says, Zot hukat ha-Torah. Remember we asked, why is it Zot hukat ha-Torah? It should say, Zot hukat ha-Para. No, 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 no. Hashem says, let me explain something to you. The reason why I gave you a hawk is that this should be your attitude 
for every mitzvah in the Torah. Our attitude in mitzvot, both the ones that we don't and the ones that we do understand, it's a hawk. You know why I do it? Because Hashem said, that's why. Someone saw me in shul on Shabbat and proudly after my class told me, Rabbi, you made me so happy. I said, why? He said, I learn Torah every morning. And I don't like it. But now I realized I'm doing it the best way. Because I'm only doing it because Hashem said I don't even like it. I told him, if you're learning Torah and you don't like it, you're for sure doing it wrong. What? He said, what? Just spoke a half hour about how we're supposed to do it because Hashem said, doesn't matter if you like it, you don't like it. Now you're telling me, if I don't like it, I'm doing it wrong. What is that? What are you saying? So I told him a very beautiful rule. You should know this rule. The rule is that when you do mitzvot, because Hashem said, you will actually love the mitzvot. I told him, you are sitting to learn because you want to love it. When you sit to learn because you want to love it, chances are you may not love it. But when you sit to learn because Hashem said to learn, you're going to love it. Something called siyata dishmaya. Hashem helps our mitzvot become beloved to us. When you keep a mitzvah because Hashem said, it's a different level of loving the mitzvah. Try it. You could try it anytime. I'll sign on it. Any mitzvah you do, whether it's a hawk or not a hawk, and you do it because Hashem said, you pray because Hashem said. You learn because Hashem said. If you do a mitzvah because Hashem said, you will see a new light into that mitzvah that you never saw before. It's a certain siyata dishmaya that you feel with the mitzvah. Hashem will help you get the sweetness of the mitzvah. So if you're not enjoying your mitzvot, you're playing the wrong game. Not like this man thought. It's interesting. When you want to enjoy the mitzvot, and that's why you do them, you don't enjoy them. But when you do them because Hashem said, then you'll enjoy them. What's the logic? I'll tell you the logic. Very simple. It's very simple. Hashem deals with us the way we deal with Him. If we do a mitzvah for me, if I do a mitzvah for me, Hashem says, oh, you're doing it for you? Good luck. You're on your own. But if I do a mitzvah because He told me, Hashem says, you're doing it because I told you? So let me help you. That's what we do in life with each other. One day you'll tell your son to do something and he'll do the opposite. And then he'll say, Mommy, Mommy, could you help me? And you'll say, help you? I told you not to do it this way. You did it the wrong way. I'm not going to help you. If you did it the way I told you, I would help you. But now you did it the other way. Why would I help you? You did it. You get out of it. When you do a mitzvah because Hashem said, 
Hashem is there with you to make that experience elevated, to make it powerful. You will get from that mitzvah something amazing. Both in the feeling of it and in the relationship with Hashem. Imagine we train ourselves. Every mitzvah, zot hukata Torah, every mitzvah in the Torah. It's not, I'm not here telling you today to change what you do. Sometimes we come to a class and they say, oh, you got to start doing this, you got to start doing that, which is true. But today's class, even if you don't change a thing that you do, but everything that you currently do, you start changing your attitude. And you do it because Hashem said, Hashem, I know you want me to take care of your children, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to help that person because you want me to. Imagine that became our mindset where we kept all the mitzvot like a hawk. We would transform our entire life. First of all, we would enjoy the hukim. Not like the beginning of the class where I told you people get turned off when they see a mitzvah they don't understand. Now, are you kidding? Why would I not? I love it. Oh, I don't get it? So why you don't get it? You think you're as smart as the creator of the world? You don't think he knows more than you? It's hard for you to understand why he understands more than you understand? What's the question? People say, no, I don't get that. So what? What, you think you're as smart as him? Your brain is as big. His brain is much bigger than yours. He made your brain. You don't think it's... What's logical, that you know the same as the Creator or that he knows more than you? What's more logical to you? Of course it's logical that he knows more than you. So what's the big surprise that you don't understand? What's the big deal? By the way, you're lucky if you understand anything. That becomes our new life approach to mitzvot. Do it because Hashem said. And then we start building the real purpose of life. The challenge of the mitzvot are the ones that we do understand. Those take us off the derech. Those make us self-serving and forget the relationship. So, let's look at the advantages of doing mitzvot this way. A, you will not differentiate from those that you understand and don't understand. It's all the same to you. Whether you get it, you don't get it. What's the difference? As long as Hashem said, you do it. In any area, in Kashrut, in Shabbat, in Sniut, in anything. It doesn't matter. If that's what Hashem said, it's fine. I do it. No questions asked. So I want to make sure He said it first. I'm not a person who walks around blindly. Make sure Hashem said it. If Hashem said it, of course I'm doing it. That's one advantage. The second advantage is that you will enjoy everything you do. It's like giving a gift to the one that you love. You just see them open the gift in front of you and you're loving to see them open that gift. Ah. Every time we do a hawk, a mitzvah in that way, you're enjoying it. And Hashem's going to help you make it successful, make it enjoyable. And one last advantage of doing mitzvot this way, is that you live a life of bitahon. Maybe you didn't expect that. You know, bitahon, today there are books on bitahon. 
Every day there's daily bitachon, daily emunah. There's all kinds of ways to get people to have this security to live with Hashem. Because people are worried, people have anxiety, people have all kinds of messed up minds. Today we need, a world needs bitachon to have normalcy in your mind. Everybody is reaching for bitachon. Bitahon in Shiduchim, Bitahon in business, Bitahon in Yeshiva. Everywhere, everyone's looking for Bitahon. And every book is valuable and every recording is valuable. But let me tell you something. When you live your life with Hukim, Zot Hukata Torah, you don't need to read Bitahon books to live with Hashem. Because you live with him every day. Because everything you do is with him. Every mitzvah you do is for him. You don't need havot levavot to bring you into bitahon. You don't need daily emunah to bring you into bitahon. You're living bitahon every day by your actions. You have a relationship. Imagine someone tells you, here's a picture of your wife so I can remind you of who you're married to. You say, fool. Are you kidding? I'm with her every day. We live in the same house. You give me a picture to remind me of my wife. When you live with someone, you don't need a reminder. You don't need some, someone to put you into bitachon. You're in it already. We have a relationship. It's a change of life. Complete change of life. When we live zot hukat ha-Torah. And it says that the goyim, it's Moshe Rabbeinu says the end of his life. And one day the Goyim will see Am Yisrael and they will say, this is an awesome nation. There is no nation like this. They will see the awesomeness of a Jew. And the Pasuk says, what are they going to see? What is it the Goy is going to see that's going to make them realize, wow, these people are not normal. These people are something else. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. What a life. What are they going to see? What, what could the Goy see in us that's going to make him go, wow? You know what it says? They're going to see it called Hukim Ha'ele. They're going to see all the Hukim. The hukim, not the ones that we get it. The hukim is what brings the beauty into our nation. This is what makes the holy of holy Jew. The Kodesh Kadashim Jew is created from Zot Hukatatona. By living our life with hukim, the ones that we do understand and the ones that we don't. That new way of life is a game changer. It changes everything. Everything and every day. That's my berakha to all of you. My berakha to all of you is that you should live an elevated life. A life way above where the regular people are. You know, when you go up high, you look down, sometimes what people are doing looks silly. 
I pray that you should live an elevated life where you're so much above the silliness and the nonsense and the pain and the nature of the physical world when it's not utilized properly. Live above it all. You'll laugh at it. You'll pray for those there in it. And you will celebrate a tremendous life of clarity and simha and tremendous love for the creator of the world and a love for the people in our lives.